This episode of The Cutting Room is sponsored by Grass Valley's EDIA 6. Check out the new EDIA 6 at www.grassvalley.com. What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. Today I interview Stuart Bass, editor of such TV classics as The Wonder Years, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Arrested Development, and The Office. Before I get into the interview, we have our first contest. We're teaming up with 4Word Film Review at fwfr.com to create the contest. The rules are simple. I'm going to give you up to four words that describe and review a film. If you think you know the film's title, you send it to us at info at artoftheguillotine.com. So for example, these four words describe a movie. Luke learns forceful lesson. And that movie's title is Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. All right, so here's our first one. Film editing steps up. The four words are film editing steps up. So if you know what film I'm reviewing with those four words, you can send your answer to info at artoftheguillotine.com. And the winner will receive an Art of the Guillotine shirt. If you enjoy our contest, check out fwfr.com or pick up the four-word film reviews book from Adams Media. Now back to our show. I interviewed Stuart at an outdoor restaurant in LA. So please mind the planes, dogs, and people talking. We start off the interview with Stuart talking about how he broke into the industry. You're a chicken. Cuckoo ka-cha! Cuckoo ka-cha! What are you doing? Michael yeah. and women? A I haven't found the right girl. When I do, I will ask her out. Has anyone in this family ever even seen a chicken? Thanks very much for letting me interview you. How did you get into film editing? Yeah, I fell into editing. I think it was an accident. I mean, I was always interested in movies. When I was a little kid, I used to you know, pull out the regular 8 camera and shoot kids in the backyard and make videos and I did it all the way through elementary school and junior high and then in high school I started making my own movies and I would uh, I was in Madison Wisconsin and I would go to the university and use their equipment that, enough that they thought that I was not a high school student but yeah. a college student and, and I'd take out equipment make little shorts but it was never seriously a career mm-hmm. when in Madison Wisconsin it was in my family, it was a hobby, and then when I finally got to college and I was doing a lot of physics and um, a lot of the sciences, working on a BS, mm-hmm. and uh, I was taking some film courses, and I made the switch over to film very late. And uh, how'd your family I, react? I think my mother was okay because she was always kind of artistic, mm-hmm. but my father, you know, he had a track for me. He knew <laughs> he wanted me in a different track, but I made a change, and then. Uh, so I got my bachelor's degree in, in radio, television, and film, and I went out to San Francisco and went to the San Francisco Art Institute. And at that time, I was really liked art movies, like mm-hmm. off-the-wall underground films that were being made at the time, avant-garde films. And I was making them, and a lot of the artists I knew were in San Francisco. So how did you get into editing from there? Well, let's see. So I'm in college, and I was making these art movies, but on the other side, I was also uh, got involved in, the, in a volunteer group called uh, Video West, and we made rock and roll videos. Mm-hmm. And I was more at the t- I, you know, I was always interested in photography, so I've, I was, uh, and shooting, 
Mm -hmm. If anything, technical is more of a cameraman. And I was uh, at Video West, I was doing camera and lighting. Mm -hmm. And my first job was with CNN, running around getting uh, breaking features around the Bay Area and, uh, and making rock videos at night. Oh, wow. and, uh, and then we started making rock videos for a company called Warner Amex, mm -hmm. and they became MTV. And it was all happening real late at night with rock bands and not very good money. And I was like exhausted and I was lugging a lot of equipment and I don't have a great back. Yeah. And I saw a uh, ad, I don't know if I had an ad or somebody told me, but there was a position open for a post-production supervisor at one of the commercial houses. Mm -hmm. So I took it and that's where I learned about editing because I, I, I was a rental manager for the editing rooms and there was a projection you know, we did 35 mm -hmm. millimeter projection. So if a, a feature came into town, they had to use us to, we were like the only place in town to look at dailies. Okay. So I was a projectionist and we had a little sound facility. So we'd, we'd I'd mix commercials for radio and it was like, I did everything. And I did that for about two or three years there. And then what was the, your first show is Wonder Years after that or? Oh no. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I was doing some editing there and I cut, like some like industrial stuff, mm -hmm. industrial like cucumber soy sauce, and, and then I realized I had to come to LA because I people would call me at Snazel and they'd say, you know, how do you get it? How do you make it in this business? I say, you don't make it in San Francisco because it's too yeah. competitive, and go to LA. And I finally had to take my own advice, <laughs> so I came down here and I started. My first job was with Playboy. I had moved into an apartment on Sunset, La Cienica. And Playboy is across the street, basically, mm -hmm. maybe about two blocks down from there. So I, I went over, and the first thing they gave me was a Shelley Winters interview for Playboy After Dark, and it took me about four or five hours to cut it. And they, and then I, they had given me a week to do it. I didn't realize it was going to. <laughs> Used to the television pace and the corporate pace. Yeah, the corporate pace. So I had nothing to do. So I started. I thought I'd write an article for American Cinematographer. So I put in a query and I got the. And they said go ahead. And I started interviewing about the new nonlinear systems. So this yeah. was like in 1983. Yeah. And one of the systems was the CBS Sony system. It was a hybrid system that was experimental. There was only about four of them. And they were cutting a show called Aftermash. So I went over and interviewed them. And just when I happened to be interviewing them, the assistant that was on that show left. I got, you know, so I got the job. I, you know, I said, yeah. I can do that. And um, they got me whatever waivers they needed to get me in the union. And that was my first job. So I started in television doing that in like in 83. Well, I was going to ask you about the CBS Sony sort of hybrid. Because you actually go on to cut in 86, you cut something fully on it. Right. And um, I was wondering, because editors weren't really f into that, like there's small projects here or there, but they were all sort of experimental and testing these pieces of equipment. Can you tell me, I guess, how did you approach cutting these projects? And what was it like to go into a territory that no one really was in yet? Well, it was, that was how I could advance, because I could get union waivers, electronic mm -hmm. waivers. I had taken a computer course in San Francisco, which mm -hmm. really had nothing to do with anything, but it was a computer course. It was yeah. a course in C language or one of the languages back yeah. then. Assembly language, whatever. Yeah. But, but I C++, could say I took a course yeah. and nobody else had taken a course. So uh, at the time, it was a very strict roster sy system. So not only did you have the problem of getting into the union, but you had to also be on a studio roster. 
if you're an, uh, an assistant editor mm -hmm. before you could get a job. So you had to, all the roster editors and assistants had to be working before you yeah. they would bring somebody new in. But I, I got these technology waivers. So it was very, yeah, it was very esoteric and there was, wasn't that many shows doing this. Yeah, sorry. There were just one or two shows. Uh, in yeah. fact, I think we were the only ones at the time that was purely nonlinear. The CBS system wow. was, there was uh, fame at the time was experimenting with using linear systems mm -hmm. and then taking the tape and recutting it and using was uh, a, a, a list clean. Yeah. Um, so they were one of the first tape, but there's there's all kinds of workflows that people didn't understand at that time. Yeah. So we were we uh, were using an experimental color correction. We were dealing with people who were just saying there's just no way you can finish in tape. You know things you have to print film because you don't get the right look. Dissolves don't look right. Fades. So I would have to you know like make split screen versions of this is what a fade looks like in film and I can make it look like <laughs> that if I want but it doesn't look as good or this is how we get the color to look like a, a film print by you know compressing all the blacks and wow. creating contrast so there uh, uh, you know so we were fooling with workflow we had just just syncing up dailies at that time was hugely complex because we didn't have sync boxes that they yeah did even a few years later they had this crazy system where they would, the film would come in and somebody would sync the negative to a uh, slug yeah. and put the, the slates on it and then they'd have to sync the sound to that slug. Wow. And then you'd put that up in Telecine and that's how you sync the sound to... Wow, that's a much different yeah. approach. So, yeah, so there's a lot of you know screwing around, experimenting, and uh, but it was fun at the time and I was young and willing to do anything and, and it got me... In and the other advantage was that the time the, the old it's kind of an old guard of editors mm -hmm. was you know who'd kind of come up through the television in the fifties and sixties they were they're in their sixties and seventies and uh, they couldn't really deal with equipment so when I came to go from assistant to editor it became easier because I was there <laughs> and these guys couldn't do it so I could step in. So do you know what happened to that system? Did it just get CBS? sold or did it? I think they had 10 complete systems. They felt that uh, laser discs were coming around and that laser discs were the future and at that time they were using uh, these modified Betacam okay. tapes. So Sony kind of put it on the shelf thinking that laser discs would be the answer but they weren't and then it just it fell to the wayside. It just didn't keep up. So you've you've cut a lot of comedy, and I was wondering, how do you work with rhythms, timing, pacing, all those elements to get the best comedic effect? When I was in San Francisco, I was in an improv group mm -hmm. for a long time, long time, like the whole tenure there. And I think that was really, like really important experience to be working on comedy, and understand because it, it's 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 visceral. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't. You can't really think about the timing. You just have to put things together so that they're funny. Yeah. And it have to be funny to me. And so, uh, you know, I think the acting background helped a lot. How do you judge uh, an actor's performance for or the footage that you get in that's raw when you start approaching a cut? You know, again, it's like very, it's 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 visceral. Mm -hmm. it, it's funny. <laughs> for for about ten or fifteen years, I worked on kids shows or teenage mm -hmm. shows 
like the Wonder Years and Parker Lewis Can't Lose and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah. And the kids can't really act, so a lot of times when you're judging a performance, it was if they could get the words in the right order and kind of spit them out and it was clear. Yeah. And then the editing became, the, the challenge of the editing was once you kind of strung out this thing that kind of made sense, mm -hmm. now how to give it texture and to get some emotion into it and, and, and actually tell a story yeah. with it. So I think it was it was good training for when you have like people who actually, you know, there's a performance you can go, oh man, you know, I don't know, take two's funny, but take three's fast, it's got a yeah. different, you know, he did something like, like on The Office. Yeah. You get like all these like, you know, you can have like all these great takes and something's funny about one, but something's, and, and, and then the judgment becomes very difficult. But back on a teenage show, it was just a matter of like trying to get them the words in the right order. And you end up manipulating things a lot more just to create a performance. So you had to cut up a lot of performances and back and forth a yeah, lot? Yeah, you or? chop up performances, you, you have to put loop lines and put things on people's backs. You could take a, two scenes and to save one scene, intercut both of them together so that you do that in a documentary. Yeah. You, you know, you, you, you yeah, that's, I'm just thinking I gotta go rewatch The Wonder Years now. Yeah, no, <laughs> you know, The Wonder Years looks very simple. Mm -hmm. um, I have, every so often I have to give speaking engagements or just you know talking to students about mm -hmm. things and I have a Wonder Years episode that an assistant cut together which is just an assembly and it looks like a after-school special yeah you know it looks and the acting's kind of staged and you can and then I had to go into that episode and recut it so that it has yeah. texture it'd be fascinating to see so yeah it, so it, it you know there's a you know, you do every trick you can. You, yeah. you know, you play things that don't work off camera. You might have to rewrite stuff. We, uh, we had the narrator, which was always helpful, because mm -hmm. uh, um, if something wasn't being expressed correctly, you could always cut to the narrator and steal something from in the scene for the narrator to speak over. Uh, you know, it's it's much like doing a documentary yeah. where you're, you're 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 shaping. You know, the footage is really just yeah. kind of a bunch of colors and you're putting the colors together and, and it was pretty groundbreaking in its structure right having the narration being sort of a dramedy instead of just a comedy or for its time slot and it's I guess the people they were directing it at the youth it you know it wasn't you know it comes out everything comes out of something else mm -hmm. so you know because I worked on MASH before that and MASH was a dramedy it was yeah. too so so the idea of being serious and comic at the same time was uh, already happening and mm -hmm. and then we didn't really do anything original. We, we um, the Wonder Years was kind of structured after uh, Stand by Me, yeah. the Rob Reiner movie, and uh, we used a lot of stuff from The Graduate, Christmas Story. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, so that, you know, there, it wasn't like we were the first ones to come up with a, yeah. the narration, but the narration made it very easy to fix stuff. Well, that was part one of my interview with Stuart. I'd like to thank Stuart for allowing me to interview him. I'd also like to thank my producer, Lauren Woodcock. And for those who are still listening, please make sure to send in your four-word film reviews to info at artofthegillotine.com. I'm Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.